Happy New Year, Lara. It's 2021. Yay! Let's hope the world is so much get better by next New Year's. So I want to travel. I have I so many things I want to do, but I'm afraid to even express them. I know. Because I feel like we're just going to be living in masks till I die. Yeah. So since we feel so depressed and hating life, we're going to make you all depressed. (laughs) We're going to talk about death, cannibalism, freezing to death, bad decisions. Children dying. Children dying Mm -hmm. in a lot of snow. A lot of fucking snow. Lots of snow. Okay. So we're going to start with Sparkles and the children's blizzard Mm because my story kind of got away from me and got really long. Yeah, your story is a lot. It's a lot. We're going to do the children's blizzard. I think that's a great idea. (laughs) Um, so I had I got this information from the Minnesota Post mm-hmm. and History.com. I have to say, I've never heard of this until I was like poking around for things to talk about. On the- I had never heard of I this. I had never heard of this. Okay. So it's, it's, it's crazy. All right. Between 1882 and 1888, there was a, this run of like extreme weather referred to as the Little Ice Age. Oh. Never heard of this. Um, an Indonesian volcano erupted in 1883. And then, like, a bunch of other weird things happened. Kind of like now. Yeah. And it caused this, like, atmospheric shield against solar radiation that caused, like, this deep freeze. Oh. Yeah. So it's, like, all this weird shit added up to, like, this little ice age. Um, They were, like I said, there was other contributing phenomena that happened. But the children's blizzard kind of, like, closed out the show. (laughs) It was the grand finale. Um, The winter of 1887 to 1888 was... Awful, especially in the Northwest Plains region. So you, I'm talking like Montana, the Dakotas, Minnesota, Nebraska, Iowa, that whole area. Well, if you've ever been up there too, there's nothing to break the wind. Mm-hmm. There's no trees, there's no mountain, there's yeah, nothing like plains. but plains and plains of snow and cold. Yeah. So this Northwest Plains region, terrible winter, 1887 to 1888. November had ice storms and sub-zero temps. Oh, good. December accumulated 30 plus inches <gasps> in many places. Wow. And January 5th had a huge sleet storm that coated all the snow on the ground with ice. So oh. now you have all this snow so that had dropped. And, solid. and now it's frozen solid. There was no school. Farmers couldn't work. Everyone's stuck at home because this winter is so terrible. And then next year, there's 4,000 new children in the <laughs> town. <laughs> so on January 12th, 1888, people wake up to this these mild temps. It's all of a sudden like a mild day. The ice and snow starts melting. The sun's shining. People are like. New shine day. Yeah. People are like, oh my God, get out of the house. Like go. Get my kids out of here. I got to go fix that stuff that fell and got broken in the snowstorm. Like everybody gets outside. Bury all the bodies that you killed during this ice age. So people jump out. I'm going outside. I got to do whatever you can do outside. You're going to go do outside. Um, children go to school. They're dressed lightly, like because it's, it's nice out. If the sun's out, it's warm out. Everything's melting, so it's gonna be like over thirty. They don't wear their hats. They Scott because it's like so nice to just be out in the sunshine. Like you want it to hit mm-hmm. you. Um, they're doing their chores outside. Like every people going into town finally to get supplies, get restocked up. Um, it's a beautiful day. Of course, they have no idea what is in store for them just hours later. Beware of new sunny days. Yes. On January eighth. Um, this massive cold air mass formed up um, above, like Alberta mm-hmm. to Saskatchewan. Um, both I love of those Saskatchewan, yeah, both of those places had extreme temperature drops and terrible wind conditions. On January 11th, that storm flew across the U.S., covering 780 miles in 17 hours. Wow! 
I can't do that in a car. I know. (laughs) While it was warm and sunny in Minnesota, Montana, and Colorado were being hit with this EMS. Okay. So it's it's beautiful in Montana, and Colorado's getting this sub, like, wicked temp drops. Terrible EMS is coming through. And for whatever reason, the Army Signal Corps chose not to issue a cold wave warning on the night of the 11th. Not for nothing. When you listen to these stories... It's always something. It's always somebody didn't do yeah. something. Somebody wouldn't it's, listen to a warning. There's only a disaster because 18 things led to yeah. it. Like, it's nuts. Oh, my God. So, um, so there's no warning telling people this huge cold mass is coming through. So, when the storm hit in the middle of the afternoon on a day of a thaw with no warning issued, it was like a complete surprise to everyone. To everyone. No one saw this coming. A farmer, Austin Rollag from South Dakota, wrote, <laughs> about 3.30, we heard a hideous roar. At first, we thought that it was the Omaha train, which had been blocked and was trying to open the track. My wife and I were near the barn when the storm came, as if it had slid out of a sack. A hurricane-like wind blew, so that the snow drifted high in the air, and it became terribly cold. Within a few minutes, it was as dark as a cellar, and one could not see one's hand in front of one's face. So it hit them like seconds. L- literally seconds. And it came with this, no. it came so fast and hard, they thought it was a train coming through. It was the air mass. Like- Do you ever, you ever see that? There's a clip, this guy, he's standing in front of his trailer that's been decimated by a tornado. No. And he's like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. It doesn't sound like no freight train. I didn't hear no hoo-hoo or nothing. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> You really are that stupid. <laughs> That's not what that means. I didn't hear no hoot hoot or nothing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how it was sunny, warm day. And then boom, like that. You couldn't see. So Kyle Salty of Minnesota said, um, a dark and heavy wall built it up around the Northwest coming fast, coming like those heavy thunderstorms, like a shot. In a few moments, we had the severest snowstorm I have ever seen in my life with a terrible hard wind like a hurricane. Snow so thick we could not see more than three steps from the door at times. Wow. The storm was moving at 60 miles an hour. Wow. And it's dumping ice. It's not even snow. It's ice. Is it it kicking up the snow that's there? Well, that will... Because it was melting. I don't know how fluffy it was. You know what I mean? Because it was ice and then it was melting. But it was just ice is flying through the air at 60 miles an hour. It was zero, zero visibility because even without whiteout conditions, people couldn't see because the tiny bits of ice flying through the air would freeze their eyes shut. <gasps> oh. So even though, even if it wasn't zero visibility That's all the awful. time, you couldn't see because your eyes were frozen. So you had the wind and the flying ice. Then you had the temps. By mid-afternoon, temps dropped to 47 below zero. Holy shit. It was above 32 because everything was melting. And they have no clothes. And like this, it dropped to 47 below zero. I don't think I've ever been anywhere where it's been 47 below. No. And it had been melting. It was so warm. Stuff was melting. And it dropped It dropped like 60 degrees. It's oh insane. Oh my God. So why is it called the children's blizzard? Please tell me. Because this I'd doesn't sound like it's for children. Um, <laughs> well, they were at school. It's because of all the children that died that day. Oh. Remember, it had been a warm day. Kids left the winter gear at home. The storm hit around three. What happens at three? Out of school. Kids get out of school and are walking home. We're talking about the 1880s. Um, There's a boom of people moving west. So houses and schools were built real quickly and and real real shoddy. shoddy. Mm -hmm. Um, They're really cheap. 
They fall apart easily. The wind goes right through them. The children were overcome by the storm. They were disoriented from whiteout conditions, and they lost their way. Oh. Um, 10-year-old Johnny Walsh of Minnesota froze to death trying to find his house. Mr. James Baker lost six of his children. <gasps> they froze to death trying to make it home from school. They were found in the snow with their arms linked together. Oh. Um, I teacher, hate the story. I know. It's awful. One teacher in Nebraska tried to get her three students to her house, which was 90 yachts from the schoolhouse because probably her house was mm-hmm. sturdier than the schoolhouse. They were lost. The children died of hypothermia. And Miss Royce, the teacher, lost her feet to frostbite. So 90 odds. They couldn't get 90 odds to this woman's house. Um, another school teacher in Nebraska, Mr. Dapp, kept his children at the school. And they all stayed there overnight. The next day, the parents went to rescue them. They all survived. I would think that would have been the... I know that... I think some of them were conditions. so bad yeah. like that the air was coming right through that she's probably like okay let's try to get to the house right. where there's a fireplace you know whatever right um in south dakota two men tied a rope from the school to a close by shelter so the children wouldn't get lost in the storm so they just held on to the mm-hmm. rope and walked to the shelter they made it there um minnie freeman was a teacher in nebraska she managed to lead her students to a shelter after the roof was torn off their schoolhouse Woo. many other deaths and injuries occurred as well. In Minnesota, a train was stuck before the blizzard even hit. This train gets stuck. Townspeople tried to rescue the passengers with horse-driven sleds, but didn't make it on time to save all of them. They did mm-hmm. save some. Some were delirious with hypothermia. One man was ripping the clothes off Uh-oh. the women near him. I was going to say, well, no, that's not paradoxical. Yeah. Well, it was because he, he, no, it wasn't because he, he wanted to put them on himself. He's taking the clothes off other people to put on himself because he was so crazed out of his mind saying he must get warm before he died i only have minutes to live i have to get warm that's what he was saying um 25 people did survive but sent spent three nights on the freezing cold train like no food nothing (gasps) eric olson a farmer was found a mile and a half from his house days after the storm they found him because they saw feet sticking out of a snowbank he was frozen to death um oa hunt wasn't found until april 1st oh when enough snow had melted that they could finally find his body. That's Herman so Bruski um, walked to town on January 11th and was found frozen a week later. James Jackson lost his cattle stock. He found them frozen to death over a 10-mile radius. That must have been quite a spring thaw. I can't even fathom. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, a few were alive. A few of the cattle were still alive when they were found. So he takes them back to the barn. They start to thaw. They die. Uh, yeah, as they're thawing, the flesh is just <gasps> oh my off god, of in chunks. Because it's all fro- I mean, it's just rotted. They froze. They almost frozen, frozen yeah. solid. Uh, Wilma, Will, I can't say that. Wilhelmina, Lupke. Wilhelmina, Wilhelmina. Thank you. I'm like I know how to say it. I just can't. Wilhelmina Lupke of Minnesota died of gangrene from her hands and feet being frozen. Oh. Um, I love this name. This is my favorite. I know we shouldn't laugh at this story. Nut Nutson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call my cat that. Nut Nutson. It's with K's. Yes, but still, why would you call him Nut Nutson? How unoriginal of a parent can you be if you named your kid Nut Nut Nutson? He left his home the morning of January 12th because it was beautiful. So he goes to get supplies. And he's a nut. His wife, Cecilia, went out to look for him when the blizzard hit because now she's nervous. Like, where is he? And was so disoriented, she froze to death 40 steps from her door. That's shit. they could not see, and Anything. that's what happened. Everybody just got lot like you couldn't find your way, so you just froze. And the temperatures dropped so right. fast, you're freezing to death fast. Hanley Countryman had gotten 
40 pounds of supplies on January 12th and was 150 yards from his door when he froze to death. It was said that bodies were frozen so solidly that they made a metallic sound when touched. Oh. Mm -hmm. For years after the blizzard, physical scars were seen. People had missing legs, fingers, ears, nose, you know, due to frostbite. So any... All, all these people all over the place. If you went to, like, church, there'd be, like, all these people with limbs missing and stuff because of this blizzard. In 1888, communities invested in sturdier schoolhouses to keep children safe. So that was something good that mm-hmm. came out of it. Um, and the death toll was hard to measure because, you know, back then you, they have bad records. But um, <laughs> it's believed to be between 250 and 500 deaths that day. I think we should stop complaining about the blizzard of 78. I think so. Okay. Right. This just came. Can you imagine? It's like warm and sunny out. And then with it, it literally drops 60 degrees in like a. No, hour. it goes to 47 below. I know. But That's not even it's like. It's even more. Than, right. It's like seven. It's, it was like, it's an insane temperature it's a ridiculous. Drop. Yep. That afternoon. It's crazy. Jeez, out of nowhere. It was I've never awful. heard of that story. Yeah. So we yeah. got frostbite. Got a little frostbite. Got a little yeah. snow blindness. Oh, definitely. So we'll call snow, it snow blindness. Snow frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, hypothermia. Oh, definitely. There's yep. some hypothermia. hypothermia they died. Yep. Okay. Yep. I just need to add the cannibalism. It's your turn. Step in the Donna party. Yep. <laughs> All right. So Vienna tells me the other day, she goes, Mom, which reindeer has the loneliest birthday parties? I don't know, Vienna, what? Donner. Because nobody wants to go to a Donner party. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. And that kicks off the Donna story. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is, like I said, quite a story. I'm not going to do the justice to it because to do the justice to it, I would have had to cover the actual people in the party, the families, because yes. it, it, it involves families and dynamics mm. and this and that. So the last podcast on the left does like a four to five part series on the Donna party and My they God. do it justice. Okay. There is also a book, which I was going to look up who wrote it, which I forgot, called The In- Indeterminate Stars Above. I think that's what it's called. And it's there was a girl, a woman, part of the Donna party, and it's told from her point of view, oh. kind of. But it literally takes you from the very first day till everybody afterwards. And it gives you, like when these people were on these routes going west on these wagon trains, how many would die from mm. typhoid and typhus and kids would just... It's like want- Oregon Trail. Yes. Well, like, you know, and people think they were all sitting in their carts going, no, the carts were for the food and the furniture. Yes, you right. walked mm-hmm. to Oregon. And when you would walk through the prairies, the little kids, they're walking with mom and dad and they would just wander off and they would never be seen again. Mm -hmm. Or the parents would be carrying sidearms that would accidentally go off and shoot and kill one of the kids. Mm -hmm. Like it was not unusual to leave with six kids and arrive with three, you Mm -hmm. know. So it was crazy. So it's 1840. The U.S. has this huge Western expansion from Manifest Destiny. Go back to your history 101 (laughs) where we thought we owned from coast to coast. And... You have all these people moving to Oregon and California mm. territories. We're not, they're not states yet. Um, it gets into, when you really get into it, um, they were trying to settle California because we were trying to take it from the Mexicans mm. during the Mexican War. And they figured if we could populate it with as many white people, it would push the Me- Mexicans out and we could claim California. So they're offering free land. They're mm-hmm. offering ridiculous things in California for you to go. Indiana, Illinois, they're like swamplands at this time. They're full of yellow fever, scarlet fever. They're packed. Everybody, they're looking for that paradise somewhere Mm -hmm. else because they're not finding it in Illinois. Shocker. Okay, so the West is offering religious freedom, fertile land, economic opportunities. The route to these territories, everything starts in Independence, Missouri. 
which I've been to, and they have a big museum with covered wagons oh. as the start of the Oregon Trail. And the start of the Oregon Trail is no, uh, the Independence, Missouri starts the Oregon Trail. You will cover about 15 miles a day, and it's going to take you four to six months. Oh, God. Yes. It travels rivers to the South Pass, which is a mountain pass in Wyoming, and from there, travelers choose their route to Oregon to California. And because at this point we're getting into late um, 1840s, the, the ruts, there's ruts that they're following. It's created roads, mm-hmm. so it's making it easy for wagon travel. Okay. In 1842, you have this asshole, Lansford Hanks, uh, Hastings. Mm-hmm. He goes to California and he writes The Immigrant's Guide to Oregon and California. He talks about a direct, more direct route to California. Mm-hmm. You just got to go through the Great Basin. Also known as the Great Salt Lake Desert. Uh-huh. Okay. It goes through the Wasatch Range, across the gigantic Salt Lake Desert, and will get you supposedly 400 miles closer. Okay. He crosses it once on horseback. He doesn't have wagons. He doesn't have oxen. He doesn't have cattle. Just him and a he horse. doesn't have kids. It's just him on a horse. Mm-hmm. So easy. Right. Yeah. So the most difficult part of the Hastings route was the last 100 miles to go over the Sierra Nevadas in California. Mm-hmm. Wheelie high mountain peaks. Mm-hmm. 500 mountain peaks to be exact, 12,000 feet high. Oh, my God. And because the Sierras are so close to the Pacific Ocean, they get a ridiculous... They get more snow than any other mountain range in the United States. Yes. And this particular year, they got more snow than they had seen in centuries. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe this was part of the Little Ice Age. This is part of the... It could be because it's it's going to be around the same... mm, No, it's 40 years earlier. Oh, never mind. Because of all of these things mm-hmm. when you leave on the journey it's crucial you leave independence missouri on time mm-hmm. on time usually meant april 1st mm-hmm. remember april 1st mm-hmm. is your key date to leave okay you have in spring of 1946 george donner he's 60 years old and his wife tamson 44 they have three daughters and he's traveling with his brother jacob 56 his wife elizabeth 45 and their seven children they are joined by the Reed family. James Reed, 45, wife Margaret, 32, three kids, 70-year-old mother-in-law, who also has TB. Okay. Nice. So they are two of the main families. There are many other families that are going to join them, but obviously you know the Donna Party. Reed is going to play a factor in this. Mm-hmm. And like, like I said, read the book or listen, because the stories about these people are really good. So they are also joined by Teamsters. Not Jimmy Hoffa's Teamsters, the Teamsters that run the organ, uh, the oxen, they run the mm-hmm. cattle, because they're moving with everything. Every Their grocery store is moving with them. All mm-hmm. their food, all their supplies is packed in these wagons. So they begin their journey from Independence, Missouri. And they, when they, so they, the Reed family and the Donner family knew each other in Illinois. They've traveled to Independence. They join up with other families on the train and they leave May 12th, 1846. Oh, way too late. Way too late. Okay. You want to leave April 1st. So we're already about a month behind. Mm. Now, they've been told snow doesn't hit the Sierra Nevadas till November. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of misnomers mm-hmm. in this story. Okay. So they're two weeks into the trip. Mother-in-law <coughs> kicks the bed. I mean, they literally dump her on the side of the road and they keep going. They should have just left her in Illinois. If you can't walk, if you can't travel, if you get sick, you're being left in the field. Here's a bottle of wine. See you later. Mm-hmm. Okay. By June 16th, they have traveled 450 miles. Yikes. With only 200 to go to get to the fort, to get to Fort Laramie, Wyoming, which is where they're going to decide 
what they're going to do. Okay. And they describe the first part of the trip as happy times. There's music playing, they're dancing every night, they're camping, they're having Mm -hmm. a great time. Love is in the air, people are meeting people. It's, they're loving it. So along the way, more people are joining the party. You have Sarah Foster, 19, and her her husband. Oh, her husband. Her husband, Will. She got divorced, apparently. Oh, oh no. Bill 30. You have the Breen family. They are also a key family. You have this old guy named Hardcoop. He's 70. And many others. I mentioned these people for a reason, because Sarah Foster is the one from the book. It oh, will tell, tell you what happens to her husband and everything. He doesn't He doesn't make it to Wyoming mm. or to Oregon. All right. So there's about 81 people wow. on the Donna party. Mm. They don't really want to... The Reed family really was the leader but it becomes the Donna Party later because he was just a nicer guy. So Lansford Hastings, the asshole, he writes letters and he sends them on to the wagon t- train to promote his cutoff. Oh, this is a great cut. You should take out. I don't know what his. Yeah, what was he getting out of getting, it? I don't know what yeah. he was getting out of this. Maybe if he thought he made this great trail, he would be famous. He's famous. All right. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's writing to the party. Take the take my cutoff. Take my cutoff. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. So July 12th. Um, the Donna party, they get in the Reed party, they get one of the letters. July 20th, most of the wagon train thinks the Hastings cutoff is a bad idea. So now they're kind of getting at a crossroads. And the other part of this wagon train is going straight. They're taking the good old-fashioned route. They get this letter and, and you know, Reed's like, this is a great idea. And Donna's like, oh, I don't know. His wife's like, it's a bad idea. <laughs> and it's going all around. And they they a small group really wants to take... The cutoff. The rest of them want the traditional route. He wants the cutoff. Let's cut off 300 uh, miles. That's months. We'll be there sooner. Blah, blah, blah. And at this point, they decide they're going to take the cutoff. But they need a leader. Now, James Reed, he wants the job. And he probably is more suited for the job. But he irritates the shit out of people. So they elect George Donner. Because he's quiet. He's older. He's nicer. He's he's George Donner. You know, Mm -hmm. me and my family. It's great. (laughs) So that's how they become known as. The Donna Party. It just sounds better. To me. I know. So it's the Donna Party of 81 people that are taking this Hastings cutoff. You got the Donners, you got the Reeds, you got the Fosters, you got the Breens. So they all decided to go. They they went as a group together okay. because remember the Donners and the Reeds knew each other before. Right. I figured they would go. Yes. I didn't know if they no, were. They're all no, going to go. And the women everybody. who all think it's a bad fucking idea, nobody's going to listen to them because no. they're women. Okay. You know, kids have no say in it. They're just fucking hopping no along inside, getting mm-hmm. shot by their parents, mm-hmm. wandering into the weeds. So. A journalist had traveled ahead of the Donna Party. He's going down this Hastings cutoff. And he immediately, within an, like a day, is like, there's no fucking way the wagons are going to make this cutoff. There's no way. So he's writing letters back to the Donna Party. And they're going to this Jim Bridger at Bridger's Trading Post, mm-hmm. which is at this right at the beginning of the cutoff. Now, if this cutoff becomes successful, Mr. Bridger is going to be very wealthy. Yeah, he's going to have a lot of clients. Okay. So the Donna Party gets to this Black Forks where the Bridger place is on the 24th. First. Nope, 27th. So we're in July 27th now. We've been on the road since May. When they get there, there's no letters. There's nothing saying, Mm. warn off, alarm bells, red flags, stay away, bad move, nothing. Instead, Jim Bridger, who owns a trading post on the trail of Hastings Cutoff, who wants his business to be better, he says, dude, smooth sailing straight ahead. Um, the shortcut's smooth. There's no rugged country. There's no Native American Indians. Plenty of water. Plenty of water. You'll be fine. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. No worries. Excuse me. So, 
okay, this is what we're going to do. And he says, best of all, the trail's wicked easy to find, and it's 350 miles shorter. They're like, all right, sure, Reed's, let's go. It's mm-hmm. fucking great. Shame Reed, hell yeah. It's thought that Jim Bridger purposely hid the letters saying how bad it was. Mm-hmm. All right. Ominous foreshadowing. Yeah. So, further down the road at Fort Laramie, Laramie, Reed meets an old friend, James Kleiman, who says, you don't want to go this way. He says, the wagons will never make it, and Hastings is a liar. This is a bad idea. Do not go this way. Mm-hmm. Tamsin Donner's like, mm, I really think we should go back. I think this is a really bad idea. Nope. Nobody listens. Okay. okay. Now, ahead of them, I believe Hastings is going to lead a wagon train ahead of him. So what he's doing is leaving little notes for them to okay. follow on the tra- on the trail. All right. So the party starts off on the Hastings cutoff around July 31st, 1846. Now, remember, I'm going to get some of these dates wrong. I may be off a little bit on how it actually happened because I'm trying to paraphrase a very long story. <laughs> Within days, they realize the train is almost impossible to cover. Mm-hmm. The steep inclines making wagon travel almost impossible. At one point, they're literally rigging pulleys to bring the carts oh up with the oxen <gasps> up these long, steep inclines. Like, it's it's ridiculous, yeah. all right? When you read this book, it gets into all this. So, they're trying to get up these steep inclines. It's making wagon travel almost impossible. They have to try and find these notes and letters clipped to the trees by Hastings to find the way. Mm-hmm. August 6th, they find a letter from Hastings saying he'll stop, telling them, stop, don't go any further, I'll show you the easier way. He never comes back. All right, he just, they're on their own. So what they're finding are canyons and sheer cliffs, and they need to find alternative routes around. So they're now going to have to blaze their own way through the Wasatch Mountains. Oh All right. God. And when you look at the, there's no way a wagon train would get over this. All right. So they go... From 15 miles a day to a mile and a half because they're clearing brush, they're moving boulders, they're moving trees to make way for the wagons. They're chewing up supplies while they're slowing Mm -hmm. down as well. The Graves party meets up with them, and now there are 87 people in the Donna party. I think the Graves solely regretted the day they ever joined the Donna party. August 20th, they are starting to come out of the Wasatch Mountains. They look down and they can see the Great Salt Lake Desert. Very flat, and that's all they can plug out. Now it's finally going to get easier. It still takes two more weeks for them to come out of the mountains with these fucking wagons. All right? Yeah. When they get to the end of it, Hastings has left another note, but it's twin and a half. Tamsin is going to put this note together, Mm -hmm. and it says that it's two days hard travel across the desert. There's no grass, and there's no water ahead, so you just got to power through it. Now it's the desert. It's fucking hot. Mm -hmm. And at night, fucking freezing. Freezing. Okay. So for three days, they rest at, before they start this travel across mm-hmm. the desert. The oxen are now, they're exhausted. Mm-hmm. They're tired. There's almost no water left. There's, they're running through food. The cattle, every, you know, things are getting lost in the woods. Mm-hmm. Things are dwindling mm-hmm. down. So August 30th, now we're at, they Boy. start across the desert. It's hot. There's no shade. There's no grass. There's no water. And in three days, all the water is gone. Mm-hmm. Some of the oxen just... They leave them. They just leave them. They leave the wagons with the oxen still stuck to them. Some of the cattle and the oxen and the horses are so thirst-crazed, they just take off and leave them. They have to leave the wagons themselves. Like, they're leaving their shit across the desert. Um, 
instead of two days, it takes them six days to cross oh the desert. Oh, my God. Right. So they shockingly don't lose any human lives. Wow. But they're walking in like 120 degree yeah. heat. Okay. In August. So they get to the springs. They camp at the springs. And they know now that Kato's a bad idea, but they're stuck. They right, have I mean, no, yeah. they're, they own it now. There's no going back. They own it now. So they're trying to recover. They're trying to go back and bring cattle back. They're trying to collect mm-hmm. wagons and this and that. And they, uh, the Reed family, they suffer the most losses to cattle and wagons. They're losing a lot of stuff. This is going to play in later. Mm-hmm. They're becoming, they're starting to beg others for, for rations. And like, I promise you when you get to California, I'll give you 200 head of cattle. Mm-hmm. I promise when we get here, I'll give you half. And people are giving them stuff with this idea of you're going to pay me back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So... A few scout ahead, and they say there's 40 more miles of desert to cross. Oh, my God. So they get through the next 40 miles of desert unscathed, and now they're on the Humboldt Trail. All right? Now they're at September 26th, two months after getting off the cutoff. It was supposed to save them a month. It has tacked on an extra month. Mm -hmm. They now have rejoined the normal trail in this cutoff. All right? And the cutoff has delayed them over a month. Along the trail as the Humboldt, now the Native Americans are having fun with them. Mm-hmm. They're killing their cattle, killing their horses, picking off their wagons. They're fucking with them the whole way down. So it's dwindling and dwindling. Mm-hmm. They're losing a lot of stuff mm-hmm. on this trail. Page flip. Mm-hmm. Right. So now, because of all of this stress, it's mid-October. Mm-hmm. They're starting to fight with each other. Everybody's getting pissed with each other. Yeah, I would be. I would have been pissed in July, yeah. but the Donna family. George and his fam can't take fighting. They fucking, they go ahead for a little bit. They're like six miles ahead. They just, they don't want to deal with anybody uh-huh. anymore. So they, they take off. And Reed and his teamsters, there's a, it's described in detail. Like I said, it's too long to get into, but he and his teamsters, their wagon gets caught with another family's wagon. The teamster and the other guy start getting in a fight and one guy starts whipping the other guy. Hey. Reed's wife tries to get in the middle of it. They push her out of the way. Now, Reed's getting a fight with a guy. He takes his knife out. He stabs and kills the guy. Oh, my God. Now they want to hang him. They're like, he's done. There's a lot of finagling. They decide, Reed, you're out. They mm-hmm. put him on a horse. His wife and his daughter sneak him a gun, a blanket, and food. Go. We don't ever want to see you again. So he's gone. All right. Now they're really, like, on their own. The only leader is George Donner. <sighs> so now it's getting really bad. Things are getting really rough. Okay. Okay. Now they're going in the first, this is their first sign of impending doom. Poor Hodkoop. It's too heavy for the wagons. Fucking out, dude. Aww. Seven years old. He's walking for days. He's walking. He is so tired and he's walked so much. He sits behind a stream because his feet have split. Oh. That's how bad his feet are. And they leave him to die. Yeah. Fucking see and never to see Hodkoop again. And people think like, how could you have done that? That was not a Christian thing to do. This is a bad sign. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing where you're like, mm, nope, not a good idea. I mean, at the same time, though, what else are you, you going to do? You don't have the supplies. You don't have the right. power. You can't. Right. This is where you already see it's coming down to survival of the yeah. fittest, and the worst is yet to come. So they're already getting bad. Again, Native Americans picking off the party. They're killing livestock, forcing them to leave wagons behind. They're stealing the cattle. At this point, they have lost 100 cattle and oxen. Wow. And they are through 90% of their rations that should have gotten <laughs> them to California. And the worst is yet to come. <laughs> so there's this Charles Stanton who's part of the party. He comes important too. So Charles Stanton was this um, bachelor. I don't know how he gets attached, but I forgot how he got There's a whole story to him. Mm-hmm. At one point, he leaves mm-hmm. to go get more supplies. He has no 
no attachment to the Donna Party. But he mm-hmm. says, you know what? I'm going to come back with supplies. I'm going to help you guys. Mm-hmm. All right. So Charles Stanton takes off. Eventually, he comes back. And he comes back with two Native Americans from the Miwok tribe, Louis and Salvador. Mm-hmm. They All of these people I'm mentioning for a reason. Mm-hmm. And he comes back because he promised, because that's he was a man of his word. I yeah. promised I would come back, so he comes back. And he has some more rations, but not enough to really get them going. And I could be wrong in the time frame of when he leaves and when he comes back. But he leaves the party at one point. He joins the party again, which I'm sure he wishes he hadn't also. Yeah. So, and when he comes back, he has news that Reed made it to Sutter's Fort by Are himself. You? Yeah, because it's just him on a horseback. He can cover fucking miles now. So he makes it to Sutter's Fort. He's on a mission to get back to his family. Uh-huh. But. Okay. But. So now it's October 20th. And they get to the foot of Sierra Nevadas. And they already know there's a problem because the Sierras are already covered in snow. Mm-hmm. They're seeing the snow all and over. And they were told this wouldn't be till November. So they're like, fuck. Yeah. Okay. They, and it's, they're at the foot out and, and then like they're grazing and this and that. And they're deciding what should we do? Should we go? We're not, you know, what do we want to do? And they're like, 100 miles up. Let's fucking do it. So they start up to the Sierra Nevadas. Mm-hmm. And they get as far as Truckee Lake. Truckee Lake is like three miles from the summit that they have to cross to okay. get over the pass, which eventually will become known as Donner's Pass. Mm-hmm. And the Donners are now trailing them six miles. And they can't get to Truckee Lake. So they have to stop at the base. So they're about six miles apart. There's okay. the camp at Truckee Lake and there's the Donner family, George and his brother and their kids. Everybody else is at Truckee Lake. Mm-hmm. And it starts to snow. So they're like, okay, we'll just wait for the snow to stop. Now, in the meantime, they, they're they setting up camp to hang out. The people at Truckee Lake found a cabin, oh. an old cabin. And so some of them are staying in the cabin. The Donners don't have a cabin. They put some branches against a tree and they take the cover. No, at this point, they didn't even do that. They're building something. He cuts his hand. Uh. It's a superficial wound, but he cuts his hand. So now the snow begins to fall. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try to make the pass, but the snow drifts are five to ten feet high. Jesus. Makes it impossible. Mm-hmm. So they try the pass a couple more times. It's not happening, so they kind of hunker down. There are 60 people all camped at Truckee Lake and... What is happening is it's going to snow for eight days straight. Eight days straight. So they're starting to build cabins because they like, we're stuck now. Right. All right. So this is the point where they're building extra cabins at Truckee Lake and the, the Donners are making teepees with the covers of their wagons. wagons. Mm-hmm. That's all they're going to have to sleep in all winter long. And it's a winter. Oh, okay. I, it's a winter. I'm freezing. Yes. And I'm in a house with a yeah. blanket on. So the Donners are in teepees. Uh-huh. The cabins, they've used the um, covers of their wagons to cover the top of the cabins. Mm-hmm. Very crude, very cold, very wet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Storm lasts eight days. There's no food. The animals are freezing to death and they're being buried in the snow. Mm-hmm. When you There's pictures of where they were cutting the trees. It's 20 feet high where they could cut. That's how deep the snow is getting. All right. They try like two or three more times to try to move out. It's not happening because it's snowing for weeks at a time. Uh The, there's no food. They're eating the oxhide strips of like the cabin top. Like they're eating their shoes. 
because there's no food left. There's nothing left. And it's cold. It's wet. The cabins were getting snowed in. That's how much snow. They said the snow that came in this year to the Sierra, they've never seen anything like Mm. it. And they were stuck in it. All right. They're eating the mice that come in. They don't know how to fish either. So Truckee Lake is unfrozen, but nobody knows how to fish because they're from fucking Illinois. So, because I, I remember thinking, like, why didn't they just eat the fish? Yeah. You can't find bear. You can't find deer. They can't find anything to eat. They don't know to eat acorns. They don't know how to survive at all. So they eat their shoes instead. They uh, they will go and check on the Madonna party six miles away, and they realize that, like, immediately Jacob Donna is dead. The and father. The father okay. is dead. Uh, and three others have died at this Ooh. point. Okay. It's pretty pretty quick into it. George Donner's wound is getting, is festering now. It's not looking good. Things are getting bad. And this is only December. Mm. So right after Christmas, right in December, Franklin Graves, he's like a younger guy. He's got a wife. He's got a kid, a couple of kids. He's been making snowshoes. He's like, we got to get the fuck out of here because if we don't leave, nobody's going to survive this. Mm -hmm. So he makes 14 pairs of snowshoes and he decides that they're going to, they're going to walk to Sutter's Fort to get help for the party. Mm-hmm. He's like, if we don't, everyone's going to die. Yeah. So a party of 17 men and women and children known as the Forlorn, Forlorn Hope. I can never pronounce it. Forlorn. 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 <laughs> they set out to cross the path. The snowshoes, I think the two without, sn- two or three of them didn't have snowshoes. They turned back immediately because they're in you like waist that. high snow. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able to do it. And it takes, they take about six days ration. Whatever, which I'm assuming is a couple of shoelaces and a shoe, <laughs> a rifle, a blanket, a hatchet, and a pistol each. And they're going to cross the Sierra Nevadas oh with God. a blanket, a rifle, and a hatchet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And some sh- snowshoes fashioned out of I don't n- fucking know what. Yeah. Okay. So by the end of the third day, most of the party is now snow blind. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah, they didn't have sunglasses. No, no, no sunglasses, no, no polypropylene, no wool. So Charles Stanton, who decided he was going to help out, he is going back with them to get help. This guy's a fucking trooper. Mm-hmm. He's snow blind. He sits down. He's going to smoke his pipe. They find him in the thaw spring. Because, in the spring pipe. thaw. Because he just wasn't getting up and they couldn't They couldn't wait. Yeah. Okay. So two more days go by. There's no food. There's no drink. And they're getting hungry. Mm. They're getting hungry. So you got this little Irishman. What crazy Irishman. Pat Dolan. He's like, I'll tell you what. <laughs> When one of us dies, we're going to eat him. Or how about better yet? We just kill somebody with him. Everybody take a draw. And they're like, we're not fucking drawing sticks to see who's going to get killed. If somebody dies, we'll talk about it. But we're not there yet. Patrick Dolan's like, fine, whatever. So it'd be great with some Guinness. It'd be great. <laughs> so that's what they decide. If somebody dies, they'll eat him. And things are getting rough in the camp, too, where cannibalism all of a sudden is like, not such a bad idea. The real Christian people, like, won't even consider it. But the kids, they don't really give a shit. The kids, it's, you know, it's getting rough in the camps, too. So now they're, and I had seen movie on this, all right? Mm -hmm. So they're walking, and they're lost. They're completely fucking lost. Mm -hmm. The guides don't know where they are. They're, they wound up going hundreds of miles out. Like, not hundreds, but they went miles out of the way to get to Fort, because they have no idea where they're fucking going. In the snow blind. And now there's a blizzard that hits. Oh, God. And the way they shelter from the blizzard is like cattle. They all just stood in a circle and froze to death in this blizzard, okay? Mm-hmm. So they get trapped in the blizzard. Franklin Graves, the leader of the pack, and another guy, 
parish. Oh. Patrick Dolan. Oh, he, gets he was delirious. all over it. <laughs> oh, he's like, you think. He starts with the paradoxical undressing, oh, no. loses his shit, and dies. Oh. Who's the first person they eat? Patrick, Patrick Dolan. Dolan. What was his idea? <laughs> he wouldn't yep. feel bad about it. Now, they have the guides, Louis and Salvador, with them. And they're like, fuck, no, we're not doing that. Because they do know how to survive. So they're digging, looking for acorns. They're making paste or whatever fucking tree limbs they find. And they're eating, like, weird shit, but they're surviving. Mm-hmm. At, I mean, at one point, they take their snowshoes off and they're eating their snowshoes because there's nothing left to eat. That's how bad things are garden. Yeah. So, um, so Patrick Dolan, we take a little hunk of lamb from Patrick, roast him up eat them and they would go for the organs first because the organs had the most nourishment mm-hmm. so we're having a little liver a little kidney pie fry it up put it in our purse off we go so they'd, they'd get like this boost of energy mm. after they would eat to travel on a little bit longer a few of them like i said are refusing to eat i think it's i can't think of the guy's name one man and the two indian guides two native american guides are like no we're not doing that mm. so I'm sorry. They ate their snowshoes after the first few bodies had. Now they have no more body food. They oh, go back. Now they're eating the, the sh- no, no shoes either because we're going to go back to eating shoes because there's no humans to eat. So the next day they start talking like, you know, Lewis and Salvador. <gasps> I mean, they're weird. Let's just kill them and eat them. Oh, my God. So the other guy, I'm forgetting his name, and I could look him up, but I'm not going to. He's, he warns them. He's like, you guys better skedaddle because they're going to eat you. So Luz and Salvador take off. They're like, see ya. Yeah. Wouldn't want to be ya. And they take off. Another one dies in the night. And now there's only seven left. Obviously, he is stripped clean and eaten pretty quick. Oh, my God. Eventually, they're getting hungry again. Mm-hmm. Walking through the woods. And there's poor Luis and Salvador scraping <gasps> down for some acorns. Two to the back of the head. They eat Luis and Salvador. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. They're great guys. Yeah. Uh-huh. No wonder why they hate us. Why does everybody hate Fucking first to eat? I'd have gone for the fat guy. I'd had some pork rinds. They kill. I didn't know they killed them to oh, they eat kill, them. Right to the back of the head. The two of them are like digging in a stream looking for food. Shotgun. Back of the head to the two of them. Stripped and cleaning. I'd take the shoes. I would have, They would had to be covered in rawhide. I would have or I'd that. say, hey, you gotta dig up enough food yeah. for me. <laughs> Go fish for me. Fucker. I'm gonna eat you. <laughs> I knew they ate people. I didn't know they killed yeah, people. They, that's how desperate these people are getting. They, oh they kill people. At the camp, there's a guy. I didn't write about him, but I'll cover him at the end. Mm. He was something. Mm-hmm. All right. So they eat Louis and Salvador. And now it's like January 12th. It's about oh a month. Oh, my God. Yes. It's about a month after they've left um, the Donna party. Mm-hmm. They stumble on the Miwok tribe. Who oh. apparently doesn't know. They've just killed two of their own. And the Miwoks are like, they they look so bad. They're, they're horrified. They think they're like ghosts that have come out of the woods. Mm-hmm. They are starving too, but they're eating like acorn paste. They knew what to do. So they kind of feed them some paste and they get them to a local white man's camp, I guess. Takes them 33 days to get help for the Donna party. So back at the cabins, Mm -hmm. you've got um, the Donna family, the the father's hand's necrotic. He can't do anything. He's just laying in bed, just taking a very long, slow death. Mm -hmm. People are dying. People are being eaten. The kid, like, they're making this goop from the rock, the ox hide, and they're feeding to the kids. Oh. Like, the kids don't know what they're eating. They're just eating. Mm-hmm. Some of them are lie. so young, they wouldn't even know, you know. But a lot of the parents couldn't bring themselves to eat it, but they would feed it to the kids to keep them alive. Mm-hmm. It's bad. The cabins, you can't even see them because of the snow. You, I mean, it's, things are bad, mm-hmm. real bad. Okay. 
So James Reed, he got to Sutter's Ford. He's trying to get help for his family. But now he's also stopped by the snow. So they're stuck on one side. He keeps trying to get over to see his family. Mm -hmm. And they're stopped. On February 4th, a rescue party is prepared to get to Truckee Lake. They are traveling over the pass and they're hiding and stashing food along the way so they don't have to carry it. When you read the book, it really gets into the rescue efforts Mm -hmm. because a lot of shit would happen back and forth between the pass where there was... There was one group that had kids and a woman with them and they were on like a pallet of wood and Mm -hmm. they kept, they were sitting on top of the snow, but now the snow is melting and they're sinking into the thing so they can't get out. The rescue party is going to come back for them. All these kids and a woman. When they came back, all the kids and bones, they had eaten the woman and the rescue party literally looked in the pit of these kids and was like, do we save them? Yeah. Because this is fucked up. Yeah. But they saved him. Yeah. There was a lot of shit that happened mm-hmm. on the travel. So I couldn't get into it because it would. I'm it's telling you, this would have yeah. been a four-hour episode. Read the stories because they're crazy. So February 4th, the rescue party is prepared to get to Truckee Lake. They're hiding food. And on February 18th, they finally reach Truckee Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of horrified by what they see. There's some body parts around. There's like... Mm-hmm things bad mm-hmm. but they have food with them and they're giving it out to people mm-hmm. and the smell of the place is overwhelming because all of the ox hide thing is rotting from the wet Ugh. the body smells the death smell yeah. things are really ugly there 13 of the party are dead and they're kind of half buried in the snow if they're not eaten they just kind of stuck them where they could stick them uh-huh. well it's like a refrigerator yeah. yeah people are obviously mentally completely unstable uh-huh. some of the party they go down to the Donner cabin and they bring back four of the children. Mm-hmm. 21 people leave with the first rescue party. Now, I think the Reed family, the wife stayed back with two little... Oh, no. The wife and two older kids go with the first party. Mm-hmm. I forgot why she leaves her two little kids behind, but she leaves her two little kids behind oh God. with the Breen family. Mm-hmm. And they're going to take care of them. And they leave... To go at Truckee Lake. So there's 21 left at Truckee Lake and there's 12 left at the Donna location after this first party leaves. Mm-hmm. So the first party's coming out of the woods and they're like done. They're, de- they're delirious. And James Reed is trying to come up. His kids come out of the woods at the same time and they all greet. And he's like, oh, my God. But he's still missing his two little kids. Mm-hmm. So he is going on the second relief party and you're not going to stop him. Mm-hmm. All right. So he... Sends the rest of his family on to wherever they're supposed to go. And he goes to back to get his other kids. And it's this... I'm sorry. It's at the second time they see the signs of cannibalization. So the first time the bodies are hidden and stuff. Now they come in and there's body pots around the camp. Okay. Uh, they see the mutilated bodies and limbs thrown about. Like at one point, somebody... somebody this isn't funny, but it's funny. Somebody is carrying like a leg. Oh. And they see the, the foreigners like... And they're like, oh, shit. And they throw it into a <laughs> pond and they keep walking like... Didn't see nothing here. Nope, you didn't see nothing. So um, they go inside Jacob Donna's tent because his wife is still alive. And they see that the kids are eating what was left of dad because there's nothing left. They look in the pot and then they can see body pots. George George Donna's there. He's half dead. Mm -hmm. All right. His wife will not leave him. They get some of the Donna kids out. They evacuate 17 more people. Mm -hmm. These leaves five remain at Truckee Lake. Tamson, George, and a couple of the other kids left at the Donna Park. 
March 14th. The third relief shows up. Everyone leaves but George, who he can't travel. He's going to die. And his wife. Now, they were sh- I was watching a special on this. And the wife is like, she sends her kids with the last relief party. And George is like a brink from death. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with my man, blah, blah, blah. And I looked at Brian and I said, you'd be toast, Bye. dude. You know what I would have done? I'd have taken a pillow and smothered him. Mm-hmm. Get it over with. Because mm-hmm. she wanted to bury him properly. Okay, let's kill him now because he's dying. Mm-hmm. And I'm going with the relief party. Sorry, but I'm not freezing to death here at Truckee Lake. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it. So... They, her family goes, mm-hmm. not like three days later, not even, he dies. Of course he does. So she whoosh, puts on her clothes. She's going to follow the relief party. Oh they God. never, but they never find her. Okay. They never find her. So April 10th, a month after the third relief party had left and they knew, the, the Donners knew like nobody's coming back. This mm-hmm. is it. Now they're coming back to salvage what was left at the camp because some they left everything right. anything they owned was left at this so they're trying to salvage whatever they can left they find this lewis kessberg alive he's the only one left at the camp he's a fucking nut okay? by himself by himself and he tells this crazy story about how you know he saw tams and donna coming through but she was like cold and she was wet and she was delirious and she died so he buried her nobody fucking believes him mm-hmm. because even though the cattle at this point it had defrosted enough that they were exposed. He's still eating the bodies. <gasps> he can't get enough of the fucking bodies. Oh. His cabin is full of bodies. And I forgot to... <laughs> and something just came back to me that I forgot to tell. So when the families are all starving to death, people would come into the Reed family and be like, remember you told me you owed me two fifty? <gasps> I'm taking your oxide so we can eat it. And they would leave them to starve to death. Okay? So I forgot to tell that. So he is also stealing whatever's been left around so he's got silver in the cabin he's got candlesticks he's like and he's just like nuts he's a fucking nuts so they eventually pot him from the thigh bones and convince him to come back to the fort where he is forever ostracized and dies and like lonely old man because nobody can get over the fact of what they're pretty sure he killed a couple of the people that were left and ate them okay so on April 29th, 1847, he is the last of the party to be rescued. Their tale becomes national news. So they're traveling in 1846. 1,500 people are on the Oregon Trail. Their story gets out. 1847, 450 people now are on the Oregon Trail. Mm-hmm. 1848, we're down 400 people. Yeah. Nobody's going to take the chance to have what happened to them mm-hmm. happen to them. Mm-hmm. So of the 87 who took the Hastings cutoff, 48 survived. Mostly children and women survived that trip. Almost all of the men perished. Wow. Only intact families left were the Reeds and the Breen. They're wow. the only ones that everybody survived this tale. Eliza Donner publishes an account in 1911 of her story. Mm-hmm. She was three years old at the time, so she compiles stories from her siblings and stuff, and she writes this story of the Donner party. The last survivor of the Donner Party, Isabella Breen, died in 1935. Wow. Yeah. She was a year old when this happened. So I had been fascinated with the story forever. I'm still fascinated with the story because I am a sick fuck. And uh, I'm still fascinated with the story. It's crazy. The the Indeterminate Stars Above, it's a great, great, great story about the Donner Party. Mm -hmm. And it really gets into, like they said at one point, 
um, Sarah Foster, you know, they, they're snowblind, they're this and that. They're standing, well, they're not snowblind because she's standing at the top of the Sierras and they say this is as close to heaven as you could probably ever get, how beautiful it was. So she's still able to think this is absolutely beautiful when she's about to die. Right. She does make it. Her husband never made it. She gets remarried. She gets remarried. A lot of these people became successful in California. They were given land. They were given this. Mm-hmm. But I think they always had a little cloud over a them. A stigma. The yeah. cannibalism never really kind of was shaken. No. Shaken, not stirred. I mean, not that you get it. I think I'd be the first one eaten because I would never tolerate the cold. No, I'd be would've. bitching and they would kill me. <laughs> Shut with, up. Yes, they'd kill me just... To shut me up. I'm not even hungry, but let's just eat her. <laughs> just eat her. Oh. Patrick Dolan would be my roommate. Yeah. Oh, let's just kill her. What care if I'm going to get stew? I was like, oh, God. First one eaten. So, yeah, I mean, that's some... Ugh, what do they call that? Like, you're just fortitude. Like, to think that these people, what they went through for a month of freezing cold, frostbite, snow blind. Yeah. I couldn't do it. No. I would have been smoking my pipe and catch me in the spring thaw. I know. Although, mm-hmm. I don't think you want people to eat you. Well, I'm dead. I don't know. I know. I, get, I think you'd be a little afraid to die, though, because you're like, oh, we're going to eat me now. <laughs> like, well, all of a sudden you look at your name, you're like, hmm, she's got a jiggly ass. I'm going to do a little meat on that ass. <laughs> she tastes good. Oh, oh yummy. God. So, happy 2021. Mm-hmm. Make sure you bring blankets and supplies. Yeah, and don't you go, travel apparently. and don't take that Hastings cut off. Don't take mm. shortcuts in life. That Bad is the moral of that move. story. No Stay shortcuts. to the true tried trail. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will see you in a couple of weeks. I have no idea what we're going to have in store for you, but it'll be something fun. <laughs> Write to us, love us, share with us. Yes. And we'll see you in 2021. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.